0: What you heard there was an illegal gathering, al- an illegal uh, demonstration, where the soldiers or pal- a paramilitary group was singing for the cross for the glory of Republika Serbska. Um, and this is uh, an uh, uh, illegal gathering where Serbs essentially are implying genocide. So welcome to the Rhetorical Leadership Podcast. My guest today, Ivana Stradner works at the Foundation for Defense of Democracies at the Barris Center for Media Integrity, where her research focuses on Russia's information operations and cybersecurity, particularly Russia's use of advanced forms of hybrid warfare and the threat they pose to the West. She has also studied and worked, worked at the American Enterprise Institute, and she was a visiting scholar for Harvard University, a lecturer at University of California Berkeley, And she has an LLM and a JSD from the University of California, Berkeley School of Law and an LLB from the Faculty of Law at the University of Belgrade. So welcome, uh, Ivana. Thank you very much for inviting me. So I uh, first encountered uh, Ivana on uh, Twitter because she's very active there trying to uh, counter Russian disinformation and helping people to understand also, what is going on currently in Serbia? And uh, I believe you were born and raised in Serbia? Correct. And then, uh, but uh, you feel more like a, <laughs> currently mm-hmm. you live in the United States, uh, you seem to feel very much at home there. Uh, do you feel, feel more like an American or more like a Serb? What would you say?
1: So, thank you once again for inviting me to your podcast. Yes, yeah, so I was born in Serbia, uh, but I spent uh, more than a decade in the United States, which I, you know, consider, uh, my, my home right now. Um, and it has always, you know, been my dream really to study here. And, uh, when I arrived here, I, I really, really fell in love with the country and, um, and I wanted to, to stay here.
0: And so, uh, tell us a little bit, a little bit about, um, I mean, I remember one of the first like wars or conflicts that I paid attention to, uh, from my generation was the Kosovo war, where we were getting news uh, every day about the ethnic cleansing that was going on in Kosovo, uh, I, and uh, then how the response from NATO, from the United Nations. Mm-hmm. And after that, I met a Serb, in a, Serbish, a Serbian uh, refugee or immigrant. I don't know if they were actual refugees, um, and he was a Serb and it was in Norway, and that was in high school, and he was saying, he was very bitter about this, and felt like, and he told me that right now they're doing exactly the same to us, they're ethnically cleansing us, and uh, it, felt it sound sounded for me, if, if at that moment he had the choice, he would go back there with a gun and restart the whole conflict over again. Could you give us a little bit of uh, background to help us understand the current moment mm. in Serbia, and uh, which this year has been obviously, uh, there's been a lot of uh, uh, tensions, uh, a lot of small skirmishes, and perhaps draw a little bit line back to the, I guess, the end of uh, Tito's reign and the <laughs> what what's what's been the the simmering thing in the background here all the time. It seems like this it's the same thing that we're dealing with in some ways.
1: First of all, I'm so glad that you're referring to history because that's not often what I'm asked during the interviews. People want to know what happened, you know, in 2023, but we cannot really understand uh, 2023 without understanding what happened really during the 90s, because even though people believed in 2000 uh, after you know nature intervention that uh, in 1999 that things are moving in the right direction, that Serbia was on the European Union path with a so-called, you know, democratic revolution, I actually think that that war was just, um, uh, 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 that we are still in a status quo in, in the region. Mm-hmm. and um certainly you know people will tell me yes but you know croatia it's now the part of the european union and nato and montenegro for example is in nato just like north macedonia look how great you know slovenia is doing correct these are all straightforward facts um however the key problems in the balkans are still Republica Srpska and Bosnia Herzegovina unresolved and status, uh, that uh, Dodik wants to change uh, with the Dayton Agreement, and you still have a problem with with Kosovo that Serbia does not recognize and is still using uh, to its advantage that we can you know certainly talk about. But just to go back, you know, a little bit to put it in the context of, of, of history and where I think the West meant mistakes. Uh, after the end of the Cold War, uh, you just mentioned Josip Broz Tito. So Tito was a kind of a leader who wanted to balance between uh, East and the West, uh, between the Soviet Union and, and Washington they uh, D.C., um, uh, trying to balance basically claiming in the West that Yugoslavia um, is not a typical communist country, but Yugoslavia is also not a typical democratic Um, country, but also not, you know, something like what people know uh, from, uh, like his democracies, you know, in the West. And then after the end of the Cold War, um, where things certainly, uh, and the collapse of of the Soviet Union, the world truly changed. But Slobodan Milosevic really didn't understand the world around him.
0: So Milosevic, Um, was he a member of the Tito's uh, government or... uh he was
1: a communist he was certainly you know communist equal continue with a communist uh, regime um and but he was also unlike tito very much um a, a nationalist uh and he was the one who gave a very important speech in gazimestan um uh, on Vidovdan, June 28th, which is one of the most important religious dates, you know, for the Serbs, when Serbia uh, fought, you know, in 3089, a war on the Kosovo, uh, um, on the Kosovo uh, battle,
0: Ot- Ottoman Turks, is that right? Right, exactly, hmm. so exactly, against the, against the Muslims.
1: Exactly, exactly, and then he gave that extremely uh, nationalistic speech. Uh, and I'm not saying that that speech, you know, triggered a lot of things, but you care about words. I care about words. And when we, uh, if you read carefully that speech, it really should have not been absolutely, uh, people should have not had like a second thoughts that things were going in a wrong direction. Look, people in the early nineties, you know, people uh um, uh, in the former, you know, Yugoslavia, uh, uh, you felt lots of ethnic tensions. And I don't want to go back all the way to the history, but I'll tell you something. In 2023, ethnic tensions in the Balkans, I've never seen something like that. You know, I was a really, uh I was a little kid, you know, back in the early uh, 90s, so I cannot recall all those tiny details, but I do recall, is that last year I I opened um, CAA documents that were uh, uh, declassified that you can find online. Mm -hmm. And just to read their analysis, of the early 90s, I mean, they absolutely predicted uh, that um, uh, ethnic tensions will escalate that Yugoslavia will collapse. And as a matter of fact, there was a fascinating, you know, New York uh, article, an article in New York Times, about the collapse of of Yugoslavia that was published before the collapse of of Yugoslavia actually occurred. And the reason why that matters when people tell me, with my analysis that I'm always, very um, pessimistic and, you know, that I always have all those sensationalist news, I, I, I don't. I have to just tell you, as someone who grew up there and who experienced wars, the last thing that I want to afford in my life is to be naive and to close my eyes and not to see the facts. And uh, what we are observing, you know, right now in in Bosnia and Kosovo is very worrisome for me for several reasons, not only because of ethnic tensions are again rising uh, in the region. Um, Bosnia is completely, like, so polarized between uh, between the Bosniaks, between uh, uh, Bosniak Serbs and uh, 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 from Republic of Srpska, but also, you know, uh, Croats that live there. Like, it's so polarized. I cannot even tell you, uh, let alone Kosovo. But what really makes me very concerned and what differs today from the early 90s, and we have... Uh, the world with Russia and China and the West and different power structures and plus above that all you have leaders such as. Uh, uh, President Vucic from the, from from uh, from Serbia, who is who has been in um, in politics for more than 30 years, who was in 1999 actually the Minister of uh, information. Uh, slash propaganda uh, who worked for Milosevic who is a very, very experienced and smart man who understands very well the power of information um, and manipulation. He he was the
0: one that was essentially I remember the Clinton administration defended attacking the Ministry of Information and the uh, TV channels because he said these are the ones who are Breathing on the fires or the the embers of ethnic tensions, and this is now the guy who we we whitewashed as someone who's a reliable partner. And this is, this is I mean in in Rwanda um, there was a uh, radio operator who essentially uh, was convicted for being the one who 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 caused the Rwandan genocide or 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 brought it to brought it to about. Uh, through his radio channel. And this is what Vucic was part of, right? With his uh, Ministry of Information.
1: I mean, um, look, I I also like to read the classified documents from the 1999, that you can find like analysis, etc. Serbia was clearly, you know, a tiny country and many people ask, you know, why on earth would you ever wage a war with NATO? that war should have been like uh, concluded in a matter of hours, not days. And the only reason why Serbia was able to sustain that war for um, I don't know how long, like two months or so uh, was because more than two months. Actually, it was because of information uh, warfare. Uh, You know, I'll never forget this thing. So NATO um, the way that they were like for example waging a psychological war in 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 in, in serbia they were flying like planes and they're dropping like leaflets and you can find them like online on on nato um on nato's web page basically claiming you know that milosevic is um a corrupt leader that he's taking Serbia's, you know, future, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And guess what? The Serbian government immediately responded to that, basically countering their psychological operations by claiming that those leaflets, they were poisoned. So don't pick up those leaflets on the streets.
0: Mm-hmm. Right.
1: And uh, and you're absolutely right that media and propaganda, I mean, it was fascinating. Like, I remember all those funny songs that we're making about NATO, um, about leaders, because that relaxes people. They understand also the role of humor. And Serbs in general like are, like this is a generalization, but they're like fearless people. They believe, you know, that they're like, they, they are called, like, Milosevic convinced them that they are like a heavenly people. And uh, when you have that mindset uh, that you can manipulate, uh uh it, it works and, and 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 Vucic is a very smart leader he he learned every mistake he learned from every mistake that Milosevic in the previous government made and he's not repeating those mistakes so he also has a very he's he wants to be the mixture of Tito by balancing his east and west strategy he also wants to have that Milosevic thing which is um projecting himself as savior of Serbs and riding on that nationalistic agenda, but he also wants to be uh, uh, the so-called, you know, a democratic government after uh, the democratic revolution uh, by positioning himself as a credible partner, you know, for the West. And um, and he's doing that. I have to tell you quite successfully because in the West you have politicians who are what like in power for eight years and then you know they are gone. Like you have constant changes he has a continuation just like putin and he can build that uh narratives and structures that can suit you know his own interests so uh, uh nowadays in serbia with with uh with vucic it, the situation is that he's really balancing well his strategy between china russia and the west uh you know just recently uh the serbian government openly claim, you know, that they share the same values, like uh, the Chinese Communist Party, mm-hmm. uh, uh, which it also, you know, is sending his people, you know, in Moscow, including the minister, including the Serbian uh, intelligence uh, agency director. But he is also like, for example, sending the prime minister, like she was in the European Union uh, just this week. And he needs, I don't think, you know, when Europeans tell me, well, Serbia, wants to join the european union that's not true vucic wants serbia to be on the european union path mm. not in the eu because he needs the money, the money. from
0: the the development budgets and so on Mm
1: -hmm. exactly for his political survival uh he would never benefit you know from from the eu so to go back you know to your initial question as to how does this all translate to what we are observing right now in the western balkans it is very worrisome because um on one on one hand you know he would not benefit from a full-scale war um, just like Milosevic did, you know, back mm-hmm. during the night. He's still not cornered, but he needs escalations because uh, he's using that to escalate the crisis and then position himself as um mediator and basically claim there is the one no security. Who it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Exactly. So you have someone, you know, who is um, causing a fire and then, you know, putting God exactly so that's you know his, his strategy and, and it and it works because in the context of on the full full scale eva- invasion uh russian invasion in, in ukraine 2022 uh Uchich also took that towards you know his advantage because he understands very well how much the west fears of russia opening the second front right. in the western States. and wujic is perfectly using that to his advantage, basically escalating the crime. Because look, people are talking about the escalation in in, in in the cost in 2023. This happened also last year. I mean even in 2021, people forgot, for example, that Serbian put like a fighter jets you know, on the border. Mm-hmm. Uh, Hillary was, you know, on, on, on high alert for you know a long time. Uh uh however I I, I do believe that this is not going to go away anywhere. Uh, as a matter of fact, I do believe that things in the Western Balkans will continue to escalate. I'm very concerned, you know, about uh, Bosnia. Actually, I'm more concerned about Bosnia than Kosovo at this point, mm-hmm. because uh, Dodik, who is a Serb leader in Republika Srpska, who was once upon a time one of the most, you know progressive and pro-western leaders um now you know extremely certainly no corrupt just like the Vucic government um he's also using that to escalate things in in bosnia with the latest um with the latest agenda basically calling for a legal secession Mm -hmm. and he has been threatening that for a very long time and And he was
0: talking about us versus the muslims and right so he, he just uh Takes that line on, uh, on the, uh, yeah, all those tensions and just pushes pushes it. I I, I have to uh, ask though about the, I mean, ethnic tensions. We often talk about ethnic tensions, but um, as if they were equally (laughs) at fault. Everyone here, but it does it does seem that after the fall of Yugoslavia. it it was primarily uh, Serb, Serbs that were in control of most of the uh, arms, right, that had the the, the big tanks and the, and the military. And uh, I don't know if they'd been uh, privileged somehow by Antito's government, uh, and that's why they ended up like that, but uh, it, it does seem that there's more of a, a wish for Serbs to kind of achieve or, and I'm just generalizing here, but there's kind of more of a dream of becoming the great ones again. um, And that this is really all belongs to us and we're supposed to be the ruling people um, Mm. over these Muslims uh, Mm. and Croats and and others. Um, Am I right there? Like that seems to be, this almost, when you said that Milosevic was a nationalistic speech, it wasn't Yugoslavian nationalistic, it was Serb nationalistic, right?
1: Correct. you know um given that you follow also russia just like me and actually you know that's my main Mm -hmm. um research i always like to say like i just do the balkans because it's my hobby and i care personally about that right but in russia you have the concept of the russian world where basically all russians would unite
0: Right under and under the leadership of the superior the Russian culture, exactly. yeah.
1: Absolutely. So there is actually a concept in the Serbian la- language called also the Ser- Serbian world, like a Serbski svet. Mm-hmm. And as a matter of fact, the current minister of, uh, sorry, not minister, the current uh, director of intelligence, uh, Vulin, uh, he actually openly. Uh, spoken about this multiple times for the past few years that Serbia needs uh, the Serbian world uh, and he has been promoting that for a very long time so uh, the mentality and and the logic are absolutely uh, uh, the same and that in imperialism has never gone away as a matter of fact look this is where I also disagree with numerous Western analysts who will tell you that currently in Montenegro the situation is amazing. That you have like a new pro-Western government, uh full of young people, et cetera, et cetera. Because the previous uh prime minister and president that he was extremely you know, corrupt, which is true like i'm not trying to defend him at all uh and i do believe that it's not normal that someone is indeed in power for three decades but whoever tells you that the situation in montenegro is great is really mistaken as a matter of fact russia and serbia used very much the serbian orthodox church to create chaos inside montenegro and they use the same strategy that russia used in terms of polarization of the church in 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 ukraine Mm -hmm. Uh, so I, I'll just give you, you know another example that it's not only Kosovo and Bosnia, but also things that are uh, how how they operate, you know, right now in 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 Montenegro under under this agenda. The difference is that uh, Rutic he has been strengthening the far right groups for a very long time. Mm-hmm. He comp- completely destroyed uh the liberal oppositions they do have like some sort of like a uh, fake liberal oppositions what i like to call them you know like they going after used-
0: their finances after their licenses yeah ex-
1: uh, yeah exactly yeah. and plus you know I-, I just read the latest statistics that is extreme like i was shocked like more than half a million people actually have left serbia since he came to power hmm. uh I-, I left serbia you know and i don't plan to go back uh none of my friends plan to go back uh, 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 and this really tells you a lot that by strengthening, you know, the far right groups and narratives, he can position himself in the middle. Exactly the same strategy that Putin had had been doing, you know, since in he Russia, came.
0: Yeah. By, by building up a opposition that's essentially just even further right from him.
1: Exactly, exactly, and then you know, he looks the only like a same person right. in the eyes. Yes they didn't have anyone else you know to to support and unfortunately you know many people in the west either they don't understand or they don't want to understand but the reason why that matters is because uh the far right groups are those that are working on behalf of of of, of serbia uh to strengthen that nationalistic you know uh agenda mm-hmm. Uh, in the western balkans you know whether and, and plus on the top of everything uh this is I think extremely important it was a very very uh, important article published in new york times uh about his mafia state uh and his corruption that didn't come as a surprise for anyone you know in the region because we knew that but like it was finally you know translated in english but this really tells you a lot on top of all those nationalistic narratives that also, you know, his corruption and everything plays a very important role, and he will not give up his agenda anytime soon, and he needs to protect that, and he will continue as a his- as I say, and I firmly stand behind my words. Whoever believes that the crisis in Kosovo and Bosnia will just vanish is sorely mistaken. He cannot let it go. He needs that for his political survival. And uh, and as a matter of fact, I do believe that they are going to know to continue to escalate even further. You know, people also ask me about the role of Russia in this whole uh, mess in the in the region. Mm-hmm. So. Um, if you want me, I can also talk about that. If not, we can move to another well, question. I'd, I'd
0: like to ask you actually because uh, one thing that when I was following the development in the first days of the war of the uh, uh, or the, the full-scale invasion. Obviously, the war has been going on since two thousand fourteen with Ukraine. Um, but with the full-scale invasion, uh, I remember. Do you remember that they published this victory announcement that was uh, that was accidentally published by the. Uh, by the P- Putin regime and about victory in Kiev and or how they had now finally taken Ukraine and uh how uh Putin had solved the Ukrainian question for good i I don't remember that okay that's and that that happened and then it was kind of pulled back but the it was saved on the internet so you can find it and you can read this victory announcement and it's it sounds like mein Kampf seriously it sounds like uh it sounds really scary. And it talking about how now all of Russia is together with little Russia and white Russia and great mm-hmm. Russia and all mm-hmm. of it belongs to us. Mm-hmm. Which also tells me that they see Belarus as essentially theirs already. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> that it's just a question of time before Lukashenko gets it um, and that it becomes Russia proper, I believe. But um, after that you had like almost a schedule that was planned out where you had um, Transnistra announcing a referendum, right? Where that's what happened in Donbas first, right? Where they were having the referendums first and then afterwards, we got to protect them so the Russian army comes in. And then Transnistra, because by that time they were thinking they were supposed to have, um, have Ukraine or most of Ukraine already under their control and so they could roll on to Transnistra and take all of Moldova. And they had announcements of referendums following almost like a trajectory um, of South Ossetia, Ossetia, which is in Georgia. And then again, the Russian army would come there because after they'd knocked out all of Ukraine, they, it some like, there were scenes like this was the great plan. And at the same time, things were escalating with Kosovo, like with the Serbs uh, testing the borders. What I think was that (laughs) Putin had this kind of grand plan where he wanted to essentially take Ukraine in a couple of days, uh, f- complete it in a couple of weeks, then move on to Moldova, and then sweep down to Georgia, and the whole time start a second front in Serbia, where the NATO countries would be just like completely swamped, think like we can't do anything about this other stuff, we just have to f- focus on what's closest, because that's Europe, right? And would be, uh, and if, with Trump in office, I think they would have succeeded, but would be just uh, swamped with that by itself. And so I, I'm i wondering if they're still kind of, they had that plan and now it's not working. And you could tell when the plan wasn't working, they still kept announcing on schedule the different referendums in Transnistria and in South Ossetia. Like some people hadn't got the memo that, hey, oh, Ukraine isn't ours yet, <laughs> right? And so it's and so I, I think if Russia had succeeded, you would have seen a full scale or or something close to it, or annexation of Republika Srpska or something like that, going on in Serbia, right? But j- just because Russia is not doing well right now, uh, and the and NATO does have the resources and uh, are unified, which is what Putin thought would not happen. Um, that's that's why you don't have, I believe, um, a, a full out war or close to, an, or an some kind of annexation in in Serbia right now.
1: I agree with your analysis 100%. I'll tell you why now. In 2021, in December, I published an article um, on how Russia is stabilizing the Balkans as part
0: of… Destabilizing, right? Stabilizing it's, 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 it sounded like stabilizing, but it was no, destabilizing. No,
1: destabilizing. Stabilizing mm-hmm. the Balkans as part of its Ukraine strategy. So I published that in December, 2021, just before the full-scale invasion. invasion. Mm-hmm. And while you were talking, like that was exactly Russian script to open the second front in the Western Balkans because you have. Key for troops there, so you have like a NATO. They have to do something, right?
0: Because they have to, and, to protect themselves, if nothing else. Yeah,
1: right, exactly. Because the whole idea is to open the second front and to stru- and to distract, you know, the West from uh, from uh, Russian actions in, in 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 Ukraine. But I'm so glad that you also mentioned Moldova and Georgia uh, because that was also exactly the part of of, of Russian script. Mm-hmm. And and, to call basically like uh, that NATO is nothing more than a paper tiger. And look, I'll I'll tell you something, even like if you had like like Serbia uh, to, um, and again, Serbia, many people tell me like, oh, you know, Serbia does not want to, Vucic doesn't want to go to war with NATO. One thing is what Vucic wants. Second thing is what Putin wants, because Putin has still lots of leverage in the Western Balkans. Mm-hmm. He has his people, he has, you know, truck, the infrastructure, like he has a lot of
0: things. Oh, and he, that he, he, and he finances a lot of those far-right groups too, right? Absolutely. And so absolutely. Th- th- are they more loyal to him or to Vucic, right?
1: So actually, they're more loyal to him, and uh, that's one of the most fascinating things. What my, unfortunately, again, a lot of people do not understand what's happening right now. We have the far right groups that are turning against uh, against uh, against Vučić. It's not you know that Vučić is is the victim of them; that he created them, mm-hmm. but uh, that nationalism and now he's perceived as a Western puppet. And by the way, which he is not, because puppet would mean that he would dance to American and and, and Brussels tune, which he is still, you know, not doing. He hasn't right. imposed sanctions on Russian. He openly claimed that he will not do that. Uh, he is allowing like bit Russian businesses to thrive. That etc. Cetera, etc. Cetera. But but to go back to your story, that was absolutely the scenario. And I I've been following you know very very closely Russian activities in the Balkans since 2016 and whoever tells me that this was not planned has no clue you know what he is talking about because this was uh, i mean the scenario the scenario in the western balkans is very similar to what we already saw in georgia and, and in moldova and, and in um and in ukraine completely you know to use the energy sector uh, and to make them dependent on Russia, so uh, he can blackmail them. Investing in the far right groups, investing in sports, mm-hmm. which is a fascinating thing. Djokovic, exactly. Not only Djokovic, but you have like other, like a mm-hmm. a football or what Americans would call like a soccer uh, uh, clubs um uh with uh with their you know uh, uh with people there but also in the youth you even have like a paramilitary mm-hmm. like a camp for the youth uh i i, I also you know they're investing in songs uh, in rap music mm-hmm. uh are uh, very much you know projecting all those uh, narratives. Full
0: Cold War, cultural uh,
1: culture war. 100%, absolutely. And you know what really concerns me a lot? Like my generation, um, you don't have that much nationalism in my generation. But like the youngsters in the Balkans are so...
0: They're raring to go.
1: Up, They're ready to go. And they never experienced the war i can tell you like those people they never even visited like a kosovo even you know to go there they have no clue but but because of the propaganda it really really works you know so well so uh you know people ask me what are things can escalate right now you know in in bosnia and kosovo look i don't know nobody knows but what i can tell you is that the only reason why there is no war in the western balkans it is because of um uh, Ukraine, that is uh, uh, helping us uh, all, you know, to fight this war with Russia. Uh, that is the only reason. Russia will still, you know, continue to uh, um, to, to trigger, you know, things over there and to call uh, uh, NATO's bluff and to try to show that NATO is nothing more than a paper tiger. And uh, Putin still, you know, has his tools. Putin does not need to roll on tanks in the Western Balkans. The weapons. Balkans. Absolutely. And the Balkans is full of weapons. Whoever tells, you know, the contrary, have no clue what they're talking about. The Balkans, there are, you know, enough weapons, you know, to 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 start any, you know, uh, problems in the region. Uh, uh, so uh, I, I don't think that that's a problem. Uh, the thing is, I, the positive thing is that I do believe that in case of any escalation, NATO will intervene like that's at this point i don't think that that's even something we should doubt because uh, now they're we,
0: unified now they they have good leadership now they've they're not uh distracted with essentially trying to having to placate russia on a lot of different fronts because they've taken 40 million people captive
1: correct correct exactly and uh and uh but nevertheless um I, I think we should really pay attention to what's happening you know in in Bosnia because uh having any sorts of um um like additional escalations or let me put it this way what's going to happen if for real Dodik decides to secede mm-hmm. like for real like for real not like with some relatively costless signaling that he has been doing so far what is the West really going to do so I firmly, firm, and, and Russia is still testing, like Doddik, you know, he has very close ties with, with Russia. He was just in Moscow, like he met with Patrushev mm-hmm. and with Putin. Uh, uh, so and Russia, you know, they don't care about occupying the Western Balkans. They couldn't care less about the territory, etc. What they only care about is that unlike the West, they really understand the vulnerabilities in the region. understand what you just mentioned ethnic tensions between the different religious groups that's why they've been investing tremendous resources in the serbian orthodox church and uh, the serbian orthodox church really plays a very important uh role political role you know uh in the region uh again I don't think that Russia needs to roll on tanks and jets uh, in 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 the region, but rather, you know, to trigger additional chaos and to see uh, uh, how how countries will respond. Now, let's take example of Moldova. Maya Sandu, she is an outstanding leader. Mm-hmm. Uh, she is the one, you know, who told Putin that. Things will not go, you know, in the way that he wants. And he has and she has been receiving lots of support from the West. And she truly, truly wants Moldova to be uh the part of uh the Western structures and the EU. The problem in the Serbia and other uh, um, um, uh, countries uh who have not joined the European Union, including, for example, you know, in you know, Montenegro, right now, I'm not sure that uh they genuinely want to be part of, 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 of the European Union and the EU and the US, their approach is, let's fix, you know, the Balkans by economic tools. <laughs> I mean, look, let me tell you something. All of us who lived there during the 90s, life was really hard, like really, like once you grow up, you know, without having food on the table, uh, you can survive anything and the problems in the Balkans is not economy, and after all, with so cor- so much corruption, all those people would not even benefit, you know, from, from the economic uh, incentives. It's, as I mentioned multiple times during your show, both you and me, we care about words. Words matter, culture matters, psychology, how you process information matters. Uh, what makes you think you know like to wake up every day is it because you care more about having like a caviar on your table or it's it's because someone is taking the part of your territory and those things are really 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 uh important uh over there
0: so uh, and you, you showed one time on your twitter feed um how uh Rogozhin, I believe, uh, one of the Russian ministers, drowned a puppy right in front of Vucic. Right? And that's on, on T V and like just as a scientific experiment, and this is a way of showing force. And Vucic after that respected them more, right, rather than less. This kind of code of force, I mean, we have to learn we've had to learn about that from the Baltics, um, where they've talked about that's how it is in russia i mean the pergozian right now he showed strength and therefore he's respected by putin and he gets a better deal if you show weakness then you're just dis- then they they're disgusted uh this same kind of code of force i guess this like you have to be strong and that's the only way that will respect you otherwise all these other things don't matter
1: first of all you're one of the most prepared people who invited me for an interview. Uh, So I really appreciate your question because you really pay attention to all those tiny details that are extremely important. So to put it in the context for uh, your listeners, so uh, several years ago, uh, Rogozin, um, uh, he invited uh, uh, Vucic.
0: uh, So Rogozin is a Russian minister, right?
1: Yeah, he was the minister and now, you know, he actually, I don't know what his role is right now, but don't, I know last okay. yeah, this something like related to space, et cetera, et cetera. Um, and he invited him, you know, to, to, to Moscow and in front of him, he droned um, like a a cute puppy uh, um, experimenting was like for a scientific experiment, basically showing him that puppy can survive uh, even in the water with some, you know, oxygen, blah, blah. blah. I'm not a scientist anyway, but the point is if you watch carefully that video, you should see Vucic's face. He was pale. He felt extremely uncomfortable. Uh, It's a ruthless society. And in Russia, always remember kindness is weakness and weakness emboldens them and Vucic is a type of a leader he um he would never ever say anything bad about Russia but every time when he would for example also meet with with the western leaders and he would get school he would go back have an interviews and then humiliate his people calling them awful names hyenas and criminal like really because his also his mentality is a typical mentality where he respects power but he's destroying everyone else you know beneath him the way that he treats his own people is true true humiliation mm-hmm. and that's why i firmly believe that he cannot say no to putin he maybe would deep inside love to say no to russia and to align himself with the west and to remain in power for the next 20 years and be a new Tito. but the problem is that he fears russia he genuinely fears putin and he might you know think whether his life will end by a window or via tea Mm -hmm. Uh, I mean, both you and me, we can laugh about this, but that video that I watched several years ago was an indicative of how Russia operates. But it's not only that. Do you remember also when um, Putin invited
0: Angela Merkel? Yeah, and she's scared of dogs and he brings the big dog up to her. Exactly.
1: Exactly. These are all psychological um, games that Putin has been playing because don't forget it he's not a millenary guy he's a KGB guy he mm. thinks differently he's using blackmails he's using uh compromise he's using uh, exploiting your vulnerabilities I'm confident to say that before every single meeting he really really knows every vulnerability of his people the way that he shakes his hand the I, way think, he- I think
0: in Helsinki he just went into the room with Putin, with Trump and then just said told him what he had on him. <laughs> and you saw Trump coming out of that room looking like like a dog that had just been whipped, you know? Like
1: I mean, the thing is, when you are, you know, in politics, number 1 thing is you have to be aware, you know, certainly of your own, you know, vulnerabilities and uh compromise can only work if you allow it to work. So, uh and 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 Putin really understands that, but to go back, you know, to to the to the context of Vučić and that particular Rogozin um, uh, situation just observe Vujic's face like he was scared like it was a very uncomfortable situation and as a matter of fact you know what's actually funny next time when Putin visited Serbia
0: he gave him a puppy oh, or he gave him dog yeah
1: yes yes as a gift
0: to show him yes I'm your little dog <laughs> <laughs> it, it feels like and I know we have to go now, but it feels like we're back with the Mongols. It feels like we're back with the um, the Viking kings that would kill each other's messengers and send them back the heads, you know, if they were un- displeased with the message they sent. It's a, it's a code of force that's just not even medieval. It feels like <laughs> prior to that. And it's almost laughable if it wasn't so real.
1: Absolutely. And that's why, you know, I firmly believe that more and more people in the West should understand that people in that part of the world, they think differently. They process information differently. Uh, They're incentivized by different things. Look, Americans during the Cold War, they were trying to sell American dream to the Russians. Uh, and that dream really worked because they've inside all of them, they really wanted to be free. Uh, but Putin understands that as well and he remembers that well and he did everything possible to discredit the west in the eyes of, of 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 the russians uh so nowadays american dream american freedoms american democracy will not resonate with people there they care about the russian dream they care about the great russia um these are the things but even like for example when you speak with number like at least you know when i speak with liberal so-called like a liberal opposition you know in russia um they also believe that the west took away from them russian greatness and humiliated them uh after the end of 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 the cold war and russia collapsed and um to go back to the concept of what we see like right now in serbia Vucic, also firmly believes that uh, the West humiliated Yugoslavia and Serbia in particular uh, with the collapse of Yugoslavia. And in part of his current games with the West, he wants also to be aligned, you know, aligned, like uh, in quotations mark, with the West in order to hurt um uh the bosniaks and to hurt you know people in kosovo uh and to basically show that uh, uh the west is nothing more than um uh than a betrayal than betraying you know friends like the us betrayed like uh afghanistan that's the narrative that i hear over and over you again can't trust you know? them
0: and we're the ones who are gonna stay here <laughs> and once they're long gone our tanks mm-hmm. will be still will be here and you'll better deal with us and uh
1: Exactly. Accept, Hegemon- your, accept
0: your fate and our hegemony, and we will we will dominate you. Exactly. Sooner or later. Correct. So, what gives you hope? That why are okay. why are there these demonstrations if people have become so militarized? Um, how? So yeah.
1: Demonstrations, you know, they started in Belgrade. For for your listeners who don't. Um, who don't follow the Balkans closely? So after two mass shootings and uh, a dozens of people, including like a, I think more than eight kids, I don't remember anymore, like how many kids were like a shot in a mass shooting in a, in in a school in Belgrade. People took the streets in Belgrade to fight for. Um, it's it's a march against the violence because uh, the Serbian propaganda has been literally promoting violence for many years and awful values uh, you can see like in all those horrible uh shows um uh, on national tv like men beating up women on uh reality shows uh um uh, it, it's like a true you know humiliation of the people and the thing is this is another you know um uh, truth about the serbs um the Serbs don't like to be humiliated. And when they say enough, enough is enough. They feel very vulnerable in sense that they also understand that Vucic will stay there for a first, you know, who knows for how long. but the only thing, you know, that they they have is really uh, to go on the streets uh, and, uh, and fight against that. They're not, you know, fighting for Serbia, joining the European Union or Serbia imposing sanctions on Russia. Um, they really and merely, you know, fight for their mere survival and uh, humiliation that Vucic has caused. Um, you know, another, you know, what gives me hope Um Ukrainian victory gives me hope. Um, that's the only reason why I'm doing, you know, what I'm doing and why I'm writing about all those things about the Balkans. Um, it's a beautiful part of the world, like with amazing people and great landscapes and um, very creative people. And I, I do believe the Balkans have, could have like amazing future. Uh, that future will not be possible to uh, 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 to make it happen without Ukrainian victory, because only then, and only then, when we are like finishing to put again in a quotation mark this Cold War, I hope this time the West will not make the same mistake they did, you know, during the nineties. So my hope is that the west will become more realistic about the prospects of why a democratic and free uh, western balkans is good for uh the western security it's not for some romantic idealistic reasons for promotion of democracy but rather for the sake of uh european security
0: because otherwise they will it will remain a threat right
1: it will never go away Mark my words.
0: And that's um I come back to what I said with um uh Asamat uh Junisby, where in Norway we had uh, the Nazis for what for four years, five, and then we had freedom and we could breathe free, we had democracy, we had everything. Um but we left half of the Europe behind, right, behind the iron curtain and then suddenly, the, the Baltics, they could breathe free after the fall of the Iron Curtain. But it only went as far as about Poland and the Baltics. And in Ukraine, in Georgia, currently, um, in Central Asia, uh, Kazakhstan, you have to live with the fear of Russia because it's still Russian hegemony, and they still decide, and you can't breathe free. People in Georgia have it as a constant headache. They talk about like being a neighbor to Russia, knowing that any moment... Russian tanks could uh, roll in over the borders. And to be able to actually have their kind of day of freedom, uh, you don't know what they're going to do with it. But I have a lot of hope that a lot of good things can come from it. And for the people there, they deserve it, finally, after so much suffering and so much difficult times.
1: Correct. I I agree with you. You know, uh, a lot of people in in Russian neighborhood Russian neighborhood, like uh, a lot of them, they are not used to that freedom, and as you mentioned, they don't probably know, you know, what to do. But we have to do everything possible. To help them achieve that because whoever believes that Russian threat will go away is sorely mistaken uh Russia will remain uh um, a threat to Europe uh if we negotiate with them now it will just be for the sake of buying time uh Russia buying time uh they will not give up you know on their on their agenda Unless this they have is a de-
0: defeat not-
1: exactly this is not about putting this is a much larger strategy. What we saw with Prigozhin uh, last week, whoever believes that Russia will become a democracy uh, is sorely mistaken. Because do you know that more than 50% of Russians believe that Stalin is a great leader?
0: Oh yeah, 55, 54%. And uh, yeah, I think probably close to 70 now. Because Actually,
1: hate. last time when I checked, it was fifty-six. But yeah. I, I wouldn't be surprised. And the reason why that matters, it is because uh, we have to understand that Russia itself needs to do the work for democracy promotion. We can help them, you know. We can certainly, you know, help them, but we cannot do the job, you know, on their behalf. Instead, what we should be doing, we should make sure that every country in the Russian neighborhood should become the part of the West, because that's going to be a serious threat to Russian regime when their people see that people in Ukraine, you know, that they can travel freely, that they can enjoy all the benefits, you know, from, from, from the West. Uh, so the same thing is, you know, about the Balkans, which its greatest nightmare is indeed seeing democratic Western Balkans in the neighborhood. And that's why he's doing everything possible to destroy democracies in his neighborhood.
0: Well, let's hope for the best. And uh, you start to describe yourself as a happy warrior. So keep fighting on.
1: I am a happy warrior. I am, I am. You know, I always like to say, you have to see the world through the real lenses. Don't fool yourself about assumptions but be very positive about a conclusion and making a real strategy on how to get there, but never, ever underestimate the reality of, of assumptions. So yes, I am a happy warrior.
0: Thank you very much for coming on the podcast.
1: Thank you very much for inviting me.
0: Thank you for listening to the Rhetorical Leadership Podcast. I hope you will join us again for the next episodes. And if you have enjoyed it, please consider leaving a review, and sharing it with your friends.